right, well, let's get started. Thank you for being here this evening. Let's open with a word of prayer. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for this opportunity to be in your house, to worship and to praise you. Lord, we ask for your presence to be in our presence this evening. Lord, I pray that you would speak to our hearts as only you can. Lord, we'll give you all the praise, the glory, and the honor that comes from it. In Jesus' name, amen. Good evening. Uh, for our first song tonight, we'll be singing page 363 at Calvary. Page 363, we'll be singing the first, second, and the last verse. second song tonight we'll be seeing page 454 I'd rather have Jesus page 454 we'll be seeing all three verses Thank you. 
Please take a couple of minutes to uh, have some fellowship. For our final song tonight, we'll be uh, singing page 459, Leaning on the Everlasting Arms. Page 459, we'll be singing all three verses.
Appreciate you being here this evening. Hope that you've had a good week already this week. It's good to have the Amoses back as they've been kind of fighting this uh, bug. And my wife was sick as well and some others. So it's good to have uh, each one of you back with us this evening. Thank you for being in the house of the Lord. Uh, again, hope and pray that you've already been blessed for being here. I look forward to Wednesday nights. It's, uh, uh, it's something just seems like it helps us to get through the... To the rest of the week, and uh, so I'm thankful for that. And uh, we're going to continue our study in the book of John, looking at the portraits of Christ. And uh, we'll be in chapter 18 this evening. If you recall, last uh, probably in December we was in chapter 19, and uh, so we won't rehash that next week. Uh, but uh, we'll be doing chapter 18 uh, this week. And uh, in this chapter, John was, uh, we're presenting, uh, we see John presenting Christ as, as he is suffering. He's not long for this world. He's, the uh, Lord's getting ready to go to the cross. And, and so we see him pictured as the suffering Savior. And uh, he's the example of how to uh, go through trials and how to go through troubles. And we see that through this, this chapter here. Um, we see in this chapter, we see that he's being betrayed, uh, he's, he's going to be arrested, he's, he's going to be tried and, uh, before his enemies, yet through it all he manifested a strength of character that paints a wonderful picture for you and me and how we should uh, live our lives in uh, times of opposition. You see, in these verses we're shown Jesus, the suffering Savior, you see when when it came time for Jesus to fulfill his, his destiny, his, uh, what he chose to come down to uh, live a life, of, uh, to die for mankind, and he chose to come and to fulfill his destiny to go to the cross, we do not find him shirking in his duty, uh, but rather we see him standing tall and, and uh, carrying out the redemption plan for mankind. And he done it without flinching or without faltering and without uh, complaining. He did it all uh, because he knew that was the, the only way. Isaiah saw this time many centuries before and described it, Jesus, in this manner. In Isaiah 50, verse 6, it says, I gave my back to the smiters and my cheeks to them that plucked off uh, the hair. I hid not my face from shame and spitting. And uh, even the gospel writers were moved by his determination. All this leads to see, to, to see that Jesus was not a victim of circumstance, but he knew his responsibility, his destiny. He knew that he was the master of the moment. And as we go through these verses, it will be clear to any thinking person that Jesus Christ suffered humiliation. Uh, he suffered betrayal and eventually death with his head held up high and his eyes firmly fixed on the goal, and that goal was to save mankind. As the Lord gives liberty, I'd like to take a moment and look at this thought, the suffering Savior. My aim is to show you that what, uh, what he suffered for us and why he did it. Why did he do, why did he suffer all that he went through? Why did he go through all that? And it's simply put, because he loved us. He knew that there was only one way, and he was the way. My desire is to help you to see that Jesus has made a way for salvation. And he, did it, he didn't just do it for me, but he did it for mankind, that man may be saved. And I want to show you that he is worthy of our trust and our faith tonight. 
Uh, now let's look at these verses. So let's start in verse 1 of chapter number 18. It says, When Jesus had spoken these words, he went forth with his disciples over uh, the brook uh, Cedron, uh, where he was, uh, where was a garden into which he entered and his disciples. And Judas also, which betrayed him, knew the place, and Jesus oft times restored thither with his disciples. Jesus, Judas then, having received a band of men and officers of the chief priest and uh, Pharisees, coming hit thither with lanterns and torches and weapons, Jesus therefore, knowing all things that should come un- upon him, went forth and said unto them, Whom seeketh ye? And then answered to him, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus said unto them, I am he, and G- Judas also which betrayed him, stood with them. As soon then as he had said unto them, I am he, they went backward and fell to the ground. Then asked he them again, Whom seek ye? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus answered, I have told you that I am he. Uh, If therefore ye seek me, let these go their way, that the saying might be fulfilled which he spake of them, uh, which thou givest me, have I lost none. Then Simon Peter, having a sword, drew drew it and smite the high priest's servant and cut off his right ear. The servant's name was Malchus. Uh, then said Jesus unto Peter, Put up thy sword into thy sheath, and the cup which my father hath given me, shall I not drink it? Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, once again, thank you for uh, your love for us. Lord, I thank you for this chapter, chapter 18, describing how you suffered, uh, you, all the things that you endured for your love for me and for your love for mankind. And Lord, I pray that we won't take it for granted, that we'll search our hearts and realize that you're worthy of our our praise and you're worthy of our uh, trust tonight. Lord, I pray that you would speak to our hearts as only you can. Have your way, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. In these first few verses, I want you to see, first of all, I want you to notice three, three or four thoughts. And first, I want you to see uh, Christ, we see him, his deity. We see his deity. Several times in this chapter, Jesus proved his deity. He proved his identity to those around him. You'll notice throughout his ministry, he claimed to be God in the flesh. John 1, John 1, 1, John 1, uh, 14. He claimed to be God in the flesh. And many times throughout the scripture, you'll find this. He had also proven time and time again uh, that he was the Son of God. Yet here in the closing hours of his life, he came uh, again step uh, he came again and stepped up and claiming equality with God the Father God Almighty notice his claim there in verses 4 through 7, uh, we're not going to read it again, but uh, Jesus saying he knew all these things. He's asking, who seek ye? And he says this, uh, that when they said Jesus of Nazareth, he says, I am he. Now, whenever he was saying, I am he, notice he was saying, I am. That simple response there, I am, this is a, an explanation of, uh, of his deity, of Christ uh, being who he said he was. By saying, I am, he was again claiming to be God in the flesh. Notice what happened when he said this. 
Again, in verse 6, the Bible tells us here that they begin to fall backward. This band of soldiers, they fell backwards. And verse 3 tells us that these was, there was a band of soldiers. Now, when there's a band of soldiers, that means 400 to 600 men uh, equaled a band of soldiers. Highly trained men, well-conditioned Roman soldiers that fell backward to the ground when Jesus spoke the simple words, I am. Showing his deity, his power once again. What does this mean for us? Simply that Jesus is God. It proves once again that he is equal with God. Uh, again, John 1, John uh, verse 1 and 14 make this very abundantly clear. You'll never be saved until the, uh, you first come uh, to the place where you acknowledged and received Jesus Christ as far, far more than being just a teacher, being a man, being a good man, but acknowledging that he is uh, God in the flesh. You can never be saved until you come face to face with the, and accept the fact that Jesus Christ is God in the flesh. The soldiers were given a sign and an opportunity here they, uh, to, uh, to back down, yet they pressed on in their unbelief and eventually they perished in hell. Don't let this happen to you. In Luke twenty-two seventy, and again in John eighteen thirty-seven, Jesus claimed deity during his trial. He said, when he was asked point blank about his relationship with God, uh, and if he had, he was the actual son of God. Jesus responded, "This ye say that I am." He's saying, "Hey, I, I am, I am who I say I am, and you're saying that I am God. I am He." Now the question I have for you tonight, whom say ye that the Lord is? Is he just another good man? Is he a religious leader? Is he, but he is more than a prophet. He is God in the flesh. But then I want you to notice also his concern. In verse 8 and 9 it says, Jesus answered, I have told you that I am he. If therefore ye seek me, let these go their way. That the saying might be fulfilled, he, might, he spake of them uh, which uh, thou givest me, have I lost none. The deity of Jesus is also seen in his concern uh, that he possessed for his disciples. He is concerned that they not, they not be arrested, that they not be hurt, but that they would be allowed to go free. You see, Jesus was concerned with the protection of his men. Uh, they were special to him, and he, he was... Uh, determined to see that they were unharmed, that their, me their needs were met that night. How does this demonstrate his deity? By the simple fact that he cared more about them than he did his own welfare. In, in his actions, you do not see the selfish manifestation uh, that most people would do. You, you don't see him uh, You say, uh, you know... Um, throwing them under the bus. He's saying, hey, they're, let them go. They're, you're not looking for them. Let them go. You're looking for me, and I'm here. Only God has a love to that degree. May I remind you that these things have not changed. Jesus is still very concerned about your needs and mine. His concerns translates in actions on our behalf. He says that, that he, would, uh, he has promised to take care of our needs. But then notice... His compassion. Look there in verse 10 and 11. It says, Then Simon Peter, having a sword, drew, drew it and uh, smote the uh, high priest's servant's ear and cut off his right ear. The servant's name was Malchus. When, when the soldier come to take Jesus away, Peter 
draws his sword and cuts off the ear of this man by the name of Malchus. Uh, I do not know, I, I don't think for a minute uh, that Peter was trying to hurt this man, but I believe that he was trying to kill him. I believe that was his point. That's what he wanted to do. But uh, uh, notice this, that when Peter uh, missed killing him, he got, he got his ear. And when this happened, Jesus reached down uh, and got restored Malchus's, uh, Malchus's ear back to him. Only God can do things of that nature. Most of us have been, uh, would have been glad to see our friends fighting for our, on our behalf. Gone down fighting. And affliction and, and damaged the enemy, but not Jesus. He was moved with compassion for one who was uh, his enemy and reached out in love to him. By the way, that's what he did for you. You and I were the enemies of God, yet he reached out in love through his matchless, marvelous grace and reached down to restore us. And I'm glad that the Lord was moved with compassion when he saw me. Had it not been for the love and compassion of our Lord, I would be dead and on my way to hell right now. I'm thankful that he saw my need and he met that need. That's something to rejoice over. But then I want you to notice his commission. Look there again in verse 11. It says, Then said Jesus unto Peter, Put up thy sword into thy sheath. The cup which my Father hath given me, shall I not drink it? The final proof of his deity is seen in the fact that he seems determined to go to the cross. Had this been for you or for me, I, we probably would have been looking for a way out, an escape clause. We would, uh, for an escape route, we'd say, it, it, let me have a little bit longer. We would have tried to cut a deal, but not Jesus. No, he, he set his face like a flint toward the cross and drank the bitter cup for you and for me. I'm grateful that Jesus did not flinch at the face of Calvary. He didn't flinch. He just kept his, he kept his eyes on the cross. So we see his deity, but also I want you to see his dignity. I'm not going to read it for the sake of time, but verses 12 through uh, 36, yeah, during this time here, even as Jesus was being led away to an illegal, uh, an illegal trial, trumped up with charges... He was retained, he retained his dignity. Not one time do we see Jesus begging for mercy. Never do we hear him crying out for freedom. Not one time do the lips of our glorious Savior part and ask men to let him go free. He was dignified the whole time. That may not mean much to you, but it means a lot to me. It speaks volumes to my heart. It just reminds me that he knew what he was doing even during this, he knew what was going on. He knew the aspects of what was going on about the trial. He knew what was going to take place. No, no part of this trial took God by surprise. He knew every bend in the road that he faced. He was, had his dignity in his arrest. Look there in verse 12 and 13. It says, Then the band and the captain and the officers and the Jews took Jesus and bound him and led him away to Annas first, and uh, uh, for he was the father-in-law of Caiaphas, and, uh, which was the high priest the same year. When the soldiers came to carry Jesus away, he did not resist, he did not retaliate. 
He submitted to them and went to trial because he was determined to die on the cross so that you and I might have means of salvation. At any moment, you realize this, and you heard, you've heard songs about it, you've heard people say it, at any moment he could have cried out and uh, 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 angels could have came down. It, at one time, just one utterance of his voice, he, he could have called 10,000 angels. Then, not only at his arrest, but also at his arraignment. Verses 19 through 24 and then 28 through 36, it, will see, talk, it talks about his arraignment, the things that are taking place. And after Jesus was arrested, he was forced to appear before Caiaphas, the high priest. And then he was tried by Pilate and by Herod. And during his trial, Jesus was subjected to many injustices. There was a lot of things that he was subjected to. In fact, there were several reasons why his trial would have, it should have been, it was illegal and it shouldn't have even been taken place. Some of the illegal aspects during Christ's trial was this. Arrests could not be made at nighttime. If you go back and study out what all happened here, this was all illegal trial. Arrests couldn't be made at night. That's when he was arrested. The time and date of the trial were illegal because it took place at night and at the eve of the Sabbath. This time precluded uh, any chance for the uh, required po- postponement to the next day or to in the event of a conviction. A guilty sentence could only be held, handed down on the day following the trial. The Sanhedrin's was without authority. Uh, uh, to initiate charges, and it was only supposed to uh, investigate charges uh, brought before it. And Jesus' trial, the court itself formulated the charges. I mean, there was all kinds of things that happened. The charges against Jesus were false. I mean, uh, they, they changed during the trials. Sounds like uh, another trial here recently. He was initially charged with blasphemy based upon his statement that he would be able to destroy and rebuild the temple of, uh, of God within three days, and as, we, as well as his claim to be the Son of God. So we see many things that happen here. The requirement of two witnesses in agreement to merit the death penalty. I mean, there's all kinds of illegal things that happened here. The court did not meet the regular meeting place of the Sanhedrin as by Jewish law. Christ was not permitted a defense. Under Jewish law, an exhaustive search in, into the facts presented by the witnesses should have been occurred. I mean, there's a lot of things that happened. There, throughout the, all this injustice, throughout all the lies, throughout all the things that was said about him, throughout all this thing, Jesus retained his dignity. Here he is. He stood the creator before the create, uh, the creator before the creature, and and took every blow that came his way. He did this so that you and I might have a plan of salvation to place our faith in today. But then, his alienation. I believe probably the hardest part during this trial, the hardest part during this process for Jesus was. The utter and bitter rejection that came by the very people that he loved, that he came here for in the first place. In this chapter, we find Jesus suffering at the hands of his friends, his enemies, 
Notice those who took, turned on him during these, in verses 2 and 3, he was betrayed by Judas. This man who had lived with him and walked with Jesus for three years, turned on him and led his captors to him. This must have stung the heart of Christ. But not only Judas, but he was denied by Peter. There in verse 15 through 18, the very man who swore that all others might leave Jesus, but he would never do that. He would stay with him till death, he says. He publicly denied Christ. He denied, was denied by Peter, but he was also rejected by Israel. There in verses 38 through 40, let's read that. Just, the Bible says, Pilate said unto him, What is truth? And when he had said this, he went out again unto the Jews, and saith unto them, I find him no fault at all, uh, but ye have a custom that I should release unto you one of the, uh, at the Passover. Will ye therefore that I release unto you the king of the Jews? Then cried they all again, saying, Not this man, but Barabbas. Now Barabbas was a robber. He was rejected by Israel. When Jesus came into the world, he came to fulfill uh, uh, all the Jewish prophecies concerning the Messiah. He fulfilled all of them. He came to establish the kingdom of God in a world and liberate the people of God. Yet when he came, they refused to have him and demanded that he be put to death. This was ultimate, I believe this was an ultimate blow. Surely this crushed the heart of our Savior. You know what amazes me is that men are still guilty of doing this today. The very same thing. Consider this. Israel and Judas rejected Jesus out of pure unbelief. Peter denied him in a moment of weakness. But every day in this world, people reject Jesus in an effort to enjoy life, the life of sin, for just a few more days. Perhaps it is out of pride that men say no. Some do so simply because they're fools. Whatever the reason that men reject the salvation that is offered through the Lord Jesus Christ, it's foolish. And it's not worth dying and going to hell for. Please don't make the same mistake that millions have, brought, have done throughout countless ages. Trust Jesus today. We see his deity, his dignity, but then finally I want you to notice his destiny. Look there again in verse 37. In John 18, verse 37, it says this. Pilate therefore said unto him, Art thou a king then? Jesus answered, Thou sayest that I am a king. To this end was I born. And for this cause came I into the world, that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone that is of the truth heareth my voice. In this wonderful verse, we see Jesus on trial before Pilate. And yet Pilate seems a little like a court gesture, if you will, in the presence of the king of kings. Jesus makes it clear to Pilate that he came into the world not to live but to die. Jesus had his sights on three majestic peaks, if you will. Jesus knew something that Pilate would never realize in his lifetime. Jesus was looking ahead to what would be accomplished by uh, seeing this thing through to the conclusion. 
Notice the three things. Number one, there had to be a cross. There had to be a cross. Jesus plainly states his purpose in coming into this world was to go to the cross and to die for the sins of mankind. For many, this causes confusion. They, they fail to understand that it takes the blood. Without the remission of, uh, uh, without the blood, there is no remission of sins. And Jesus Christ became that ultimate sacrifice. When he came in the Old Testament, we know it's a picture of what Jesus Christ was going to do. When they, they came in the Old Testament, they brought the blood sacrifice. That was to make atonement for the sins of Israel. And uh, uh, then, But Jesus Christ became that ultimate sacrifice, that ultimate, so that there would, no, there would be no more need of a sacrifice. Jesus became that sacrifice. He went to the cross. Without the shedding of blood, there would be no remission of sins. Without Jesus Christ shed blood on the cross of Calvary, we would still be in our sins today. But Jesus went to the cross. If Jesus had not shed his blood on the cross, then nobody could have been saved ever. Salvation is totally dependent upon the blood of Jesus. Therefore, people ought to be aware of religion. Religion tells us that works is where answers lie. If we'll just do this or we'll do that, then we can have salvation. That's not what salvation is. Salvation is through the blood of Jesus Christ. It's not in what you can do, what you have done, what you can give. It's all about what Jesus did when he died on the cross. There's some that trust in the waters of baptistry to save them. And some that... Believe in doing good works saves them. Yet there are others that look to church affiliation to get to heaven. None of these will get you to heaven, but the blood of Jesus Christ is the only thing that can make an atonement for your sins. You see, my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and his righteousness. Jesus went to the cross to die for our sins. Nothing but the blood. It took the death of Jesus on the cross at Calvary to open the way to salvation for you and me. He had to suffer. Why did Jesus do it? Why did, why did Jesus go to the cross? Simply put, he had to. In order for us to have salvation, he had to go to the cross. But then there was not only a cross, but there was a crown. Jesus stated in this verse, to bear witness to the truth. He bore witness to the truth. He claims when three days, he claims in three days he would rise again. And he rose from the dead. Thank God for he forever lives to make intercession now for you and I. Jesus had to get up from the grave and place the sacrifice before the Lord Jesus Christ. He was the priest, uh, the prophet, and he was he's the king. Then I want you to notice the last thing. There had to be a call. Notice that Jesus said that those who were of the truth would hear his voice. As men walk through this world, God calls them to him through his Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit of God deals with our hearts and reveals us, reveals to mankind, hey, you're a sinner. You need a savior. That's the Holy Spirit of God that does that. That's not something that you dream up or something that you think of, but it's the Holy Spirit that deals with your heart, that illuminates your mind saying, hey, you know what, I need to be saved. 
And when the Holy Spirit deals with your heart and, and that is your ultimate time where you come to acknowledge Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, you have that uh, before you. Before the call could have been given, though, the Savior had to die and rise again from the dead. This, my friend, is the gospel. The death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That Jesus died for sins, that he rose from the dead and calls all men to come to him. If you will come to him, you can be saved. I wonder if you can understand that truth. That Jesus did it all for you. Why was he the suffering savior? He, he suffered for you. He suffered for me. Perhaps you've heard the old, old story many times before and you've never received Jesus in your heart and life. Today's the day of salvation and now's the accepted time. You know, the thing that really gets me is that there's a lot of people in this world that have a lot of religion. When we pastored, we started our church in Scottsburg. Every door that I knocked on there was a lot of religious people in Scottsburg. There was a lot of people that we knocked on the door. Oh, yeah, I'm saved. I'm saved. Well, whenever I tell them, what's it, take, what's it mean to be saved? Oh, well, you know, I believe in God. I've been baptized. I give to the poor. There's a lot of religious people out there. But you know what? Religion's not going to get you to heaven. Religion is not going to get you to heaven. It's going to be the blood of Jesus Christ. You must trust Him and Him alone for your salvation. I know each one of us have family members, friends that need to be saved. I want to challenge you to get burdened for someone. Get burdened for that lost friend, that lost family member that you know that they're on their way to hell if they don't get saved. And start beginning to pray for them every day. Pray for them every day. Because he's the only one that can make a difference in their life. Not religion. Not good works. Not the things they do. But Jesus Christ and him alone. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. He's the suffering savior. He suffered it all. I failed to mention but... I believe the ultimate suffering that he went through the day that he was hung there on the cross and God the Father had to turn his back on God the Son when he took on the, the sins of man. And he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Maybe you're here tonight. You know there's someone... On your heart that needs to be saved. Challenge you just to find a place at the altar, lift them up in prayer tonight. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for your love, your mercy, and your grace. Lord, I want to say thank you for all that you went through for me. I really didn't go into all the, the, the pain and the agony that you went through. Lord, but you endured so much pain, humiliation. Or the sadness that had been upon your heart when men that you loved denied you. Lord, that people that you loved cried out, crucify him. 
Lord, I pray, Lord, that we would be sensitive to those that need to be saved. And, Lord, that we would have a burden. Lord, thank you for what you're going to do. We'll give you all the praise, the glory, and the honor that comes from it. In Jesus' name, amen. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. God has spoke to your heart. Brother Adam's going to play softly. God has spoke to you. I'm going to encourage you to find a place at the altar. you're in an attitude of prayer maybe have a prayer request tonight prayer request yes miss suzanne okay what's her name again okay hillary Someone else? Ms. Christie? Yes, Ms. Christie. Yes, Ms. Suzanne. Mom has a praise. She had laser surgery in her eye. The eye was just, just really bad. And she's conceived with the fact that we praise the Lord. Good. Praise the Lord. Amen. All right. Anybody else? Yes, Ms. Kimberly. Remember my sister Candace Johnson. She has surgery coming up in March. She just has a lot of health issues at the moment. Her husband is Kenny. We keep praying for Kenny's salvation. Okay. Anybody else? Yes, Miss Melinda. Yes, Ms. Kimberly. I forgot Josh has the eye specialist appointment again tomorrow. Six appointments since last August. Wow. Okay. All right, anybody else? Yes, Ms. Evelyn. Just pray for us as we wait for the baby Yes. Just a couple more weeks. Yes. Yes. Speaking of baby Hannah. Hannah, yes. Um, um, for those of you that don't know, um, David texted me yesterday and said that they went to the doctor and she did lose uh, miscarriage again. So, uh, yes, both. Yeah. So just um, pray for pray for Hannah, pray for David during this time. Uh, it's got to be hard on them. 
So remember them in your prayers. Yes, Brother Tim. Yes. I'd like to uh, praise God for, uh, I'm, a, I'm a great uncle again, I have a great niece that was born today, healthy, mom's healthy, so praise God for that, <coughs> two weeks late. Two weeks late? <laughs> Is that so, beyond your birthday, or, oh that'd be two weeks early I guess so. Yeah. Pray for Beulah, Ali. All right. Anybody else? Yes. I just want to thank God for um, just giving me an opportunity to, to see the needs of uh, a homeless person and just open my eyes a little more to see how, how they fit in the community. And I know that uh, I'm not very uh, knowledgeable on services that are available in the areas and for the homeless, but maybe it's a challenge for me to maybe get more familiar with the shelters around the area and get some phone numbers and have that stuff handy and be prepared if that puts me in a position where I can you know, help somebody or Yes, Peyton. Uh, a lady I used to work with named Miss Sandy. She lost her husband a couple Sundays ago. Alright, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, we do thank you for this opportunity. Lord, there's many prayer requests tonight. Lord, uh, Lord we uh, realize tonight that we need you. Lord, um, not just for our physical needs, but Lord, for most importantly, for our spiritual needs. Lord, I know there was some that mentioned tonight, Lord, for Cody and Aaron and the, uh, the other family members there, Lord, I pray that you would save them before it's eternally too late, Lord, that you do a work in their hearts. Lord, I ask for Kenny, as we've prayed for him for years now, that he would be saved. Lord, I pray that you would continue to work on his heart. Lord, I ask that you would be with uh, great-grandma. I pray that you would meet the needs physically there. Lord, I ask that you would be with um, Hillary Logan as she's been diagnosed with MS. Lord, I pray that you would uh, give the doctors wisdom. And Lord, I pray that you would just uh, uh, meet her needs as well. For our upcoming election, Lord, we know that you're in control of all things. And we just trust 
you. And Lord, pray that you would just guide and direct us and uh, Lord, bring our nation back to you. Lord, I ask that you would be with uh, uh, Sue Russell as she's going through this time of bereavement. Also for, um, uh, for Sandy as she's going through a time of bereavement as well. Lord, I ask that you would just uh, comfort them as only you can. Lord, for um, Candace, Lord, I ask that you would uh, be with her as she has upcoming surgery. Lord, I pray that you would guide the doctor's hands. There's a lot of uh, things going, uh, some issues there. Lord, I ask that you would just um, just be with her, strengthen her. Lord, I ask that you be with Miss um, Sharon Land as she's continuing recovery from her broken ankles. Lord, I pray that you would just uh, um, meet her needs as well. Lord, for uh, the Arsenal family in this time of, uh, Lord, I know they're heading down to Florida to be with uh, Mr. Arsenal's dad, and Lord, pray that you would just give them a, uh, those final days of his life, just some, uh, make it be sweet to them, and that he, he will go peacefully, and Lord, pray that you would meet the needs there. Lord, for Tim's mom having an upcoming uh, knee replacement, Lord, I pray that you would, uh, Lord, with the doctors, for Josh's eye appointment, and a specialist, Lord, Lord, this is something that he's been going through for the last year, and Lord, just going through a lot. Lord, I ask that you would just give the doctors, Lord, that you would show them, illuminate their minds, Lord, help them to figure out exactly what's going on. Uh, Lord, also for David and Hannah, Lord, I ask that you would just be with them this time as they lost uh, the babies, Lord, I pray that you would just, um, that you would comfort them, Lord, that you, that you would just uh, be ever so real in their life and special to them, and Lord, also for uh, Miss Evelyn, as she's um, due here in just a couple weeks, Lord, I pray that, uh, Lord, that you would just um, be with them in these last few uh, days, Lord, I pray that uh, uh, the baby will be healthy, and Lord, the mama will be healthy, and Lord, I pray that uh, things will go well. Lord, again, thank you for all that you do. Lord, if I missed some of these prayer requests, Lord, I Know that you know each heart and each situation. Lord, I pray that you would intervene on uh, according to your will. Lord, help us to be receptive and open to your will in our lives. Lord, again, thank you for what you're going to do. Now we ask that you uh, dismiss us with your blessings. Bring us back next appointed time. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, thank you so much for being here tonight. You are dismissed. Amen.